We're going to be reading from the Gospel of John this morning, John chapter 14. The context of this discussion comes around the table. Jesus and his disciples um, have celebrated the Lord's Supper, or they've celebrated the Passover, which we now call the Lord's Supper. Uh, This scene begins with Jesus um, washing his disciples' feet. He cleans them. He serves them. He feeds them. And in the context of that closeness of the meal, he begins to tell them that all that's going to happen and how that will impact them. He begins to talk to them about his need to go away, their need to love one another. And um, so we'll be looking um, at the beginning of the speech found in John chapter 14. And we'll just read the first four verses. Following this, we'll be looking at um, a question and answer from the Heidelberg Catechism that can help us better understand the ascension. Brothers and sisters, hear the word of the Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now Q&A from the Heidelberg Catechism. I think this is question and answer 49. Yeah. Question goes like this. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? Answer. First, He is our advocate in heaven in the presence of his Father. Second, we have our own flesh in heaven, a sure pledge that Christ our head will take us, his members, to himself in heaven. And third, he sends his Spirit to us on earth as a further guarantee. By the Spirit's power, we make the goal of our lives not earthly things, but the things above where Christ is, sitting at God's right hand. This is the word of the church. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, how hopeful are you about the future? I must admit that I have a, I'm kind of a glass half empty kind of guy, and uh, I tend to be a bit pessimistic, and I often have lots of reason to worry, or in my mind there's reason to worry about the future. I worry about inflation and the rising costs of everything, except especially food and housing. I worry about corruption as I sense it kind of slowly seeping further into uh, Canadian institutions that um, we rely on. I worry about the natural world, the environment, how we're impacting water and rivers and lakes and oceans. I worry about growing mental health crisis in our country, skyrocketing rates of depression, anxiety, loneliness. I worry about the Christian Reformed Church in Canada, our denomination, as from where I stand, it seems as though we're headed 
for another tear in the covenant. I worry how all this will impact me and Brittany and the Salverta family. I worry about my kids and what the world will look like 40, 30, 40 years from now. What will they inherit? And of course, we all have trouble in our own lives, our own personal worries, family issues, health issues. Trouble is everywhere. And there are many good reasons to be fearful about the future. But this Sunday, as we reflect on the ascension, I want, us to, I want to make the case that though we have reason to be troubled, we also have rock-solid reason for hope. For even now, as we gather amidst our trouble and worries, Jesus is at the right hand of God where he is preparing a place for us and will one day return to judge the living and the dead. Speaking of trouble, Jesus' disciples had plenty of reasons to be fearful about their immediate future too. In chapter 13, Jesus, he really troubled them with his words and he gave them much reason to worry. At the dinner table, as they ate, Jesus told his disciples that one of them, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And that troubling thought caused much introspection. Then Jesus told them that he was going away, and that where he was going, they could not come. For weeks, Jesus has been alluding to this. He's been talking about his hour. My hour has come, he has said. And then he said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What are you talking about, Jesus? Why talk about death? We want you here. We want you to rule. We want you to bring God's kingdom here and now. What's this talk about a kernel of wheat needing to go down into the ground and dying? Peter spoke up about Jesus' comments about going away. He said, Lord, why can't I follow you to the place where you are going? I want to go too. I would lay down my life, Peter said, to follow after you. And in response, Jesus gave the group another reason for worry. He said, will you really lay down your life for me? Talking to Peter, I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Betrayal, death, distance, disowning. No wonder the disciples' hearts are troubled. They have been with Jesus for three years. They have put all their hope in him. They've left all to follow him. And all of that is seemingly unraveling before their eyes. And it's here that Jesus speaks truth to trouble and he fortifies his disciples' heart, hearts with a picture. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Into trouble, Jesus, uh, 
gives this invitation to faith. Trust me, he says. Trust me. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to go away forever. In fact, I'm going to do an important job. I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you one day can be where I am. The picture that comes to mind for me here is of a father immigrating to another country ahead of his wife and children. He has the long-term view. He has hope of a life in a new country. His children don't yet understand, and they can't yet see this big picture. And so on the eve of his departure, he gets down on his knees. Trust me. I'm going to prepare a place for us. I need to go away now, but don't worry. I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. For generations, immigrant families have had conversations like this with their children. And Jesus has it here with his disciples, except he's not talking about immigrating to North America or some other continent. Rather, he's referring to the new heavens and the new earth, here pictured as an estate, a home with many rooms. This picture is not filled out for us in great detail, and and Jesus doesn't really dwell on it. The point seems to be that the separation is not going to last forever. And a day is coming where there will be reconciliation or this coming back together in the better place that Jesus is preparing. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and one day I will gather you and bring you to be where I am. Trust me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. And Jesus will have more to say to his disciples as they sit and talk about all these things, the things that are to come. He will speak to them frankly about their need to love one another. I think again of the immigrant immigrant father leaving. What does he want to tell to his kids? Love one another. You know, listen to your mom. Be, Be good to one another. Take care of each other. And he will tell them in this context too that they have a call as well to to bear fruit in the world. And he and ver, and then later in verse four, in chapter fourteen verses later, Jesus comforts his disciples' troubled hearts with another truth. He says, "I'm going away, but I will not leave you as orphans." He says to them, and here's the here's the promise of the Spirit. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. There's an awful lot going on in this, in this speech, this, this paragraph I read. But notice the witness language that Jesus is promising. He really wants them to know that this going away for a while, it's not permanent. But actually, what's permanent is this 
togetherness. Jesus is going to die. Jesus is going to be raised to life. Then he's going to ascend into heaven where he will prepare a place for them. But in the meantime, they are to wait. Something from heaven is going to come to them. The Spirit of God. Back to our immigrant family. Imagine the father going off to a new land to prepare a place for his family and then sending something back from this new land in the mail to his family. Like perhaps... uh, some seeds or a little pot of dirt or something from this other place to sort of nurture the relationship and to give a foretaste of the reunification that is to come. Jesus is doing something like that here, except it's not an inanimate thing like a, like a seed or some dirt. It's, this is the spirit. This is the personal presence of God being, uh, being poured out on his disciples. And like a helpful friend or a needed advocate who speaks truth, the Spirit will come with power and resources. Not only will the Spirit lead them into truth and remind them of everything Jesus said to them, but the Spirit will keep the attachment with Jesus secure. The world does not see me, but you will see me, says Jesus. And on that day, the day the Spirit comes, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is kind of a mind-bending thought, and it perhaps takes a bit of imagination. I am in you, and you are in me. What Jesus is saying here is that his disciples will enjoy real communion with him, even though he is no longer walking and talking in their midst. Though he is away, it will be like he is there with them and in them, like a branch is in the vine. So the Spirit will connect them to Jesus in such a way that they will be locked into one another. It's going to take the disciples a long time to understand what Jesus is talking about here. But that by the time we get to Paul in the New Testament, they really understand this, what it means to be unified or locked in with Christ. When Paul talks about our new identity in Christ, he talks about it like this. He says things like, um, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There's this connection point, this unification, Christ in us and us in Christ. We're locked into one another such that as we go about our day-to-day lives, there can be this walking, talking uh, relationship with Christ in a way. I think of Stephen, an early convert to the way of Jesus, Jesus and a deacon in the church in Jerusalem. He's arrested by the religious leaders. He's put on trial. The Spirit gives him words to speak wisdom to understand the Bible, courage to bear witness to Jesus in a hostile environment. Stephen is stoned to death for his faith and witness, but as the stones are flying, he looks up and he sees. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. And he sees Jesus looking down and he gets the power he needs from that vision to forgive those who are throwing stones. 
I will be in you and you will be in me and you will see me. We will be locked together through the Spirit. No longer are disciples one with the world or the spirits of the age. Instead, they will be one with the resurrected Lord through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Do not let your hearts be troubled, says Jesus. You believe in God. Now also believe in me. Trust me. For disciples then and disciples today, this teaching is meant to fortify us in the journey that we are on. It's meant to give us strength for today and meant to give us bright hope for tomorrow. Strength for today, being locked in with Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God, knowing that our life is in him, knowing that Jesus is working for our good right now as we speak, knowing that he's preparing a place for us, knowing that he's interceding for us in our weakness. All these things are just such powerful realities that can fortify us in our day-to-day walk, seeking to be his obedient disciples. Jesus is not on vacation at the right hand of God, scowling at his church from a distance because we can never seem to get our act together. No, now he is in the control room of heaven and earth, protecting, upholding, sustaining, healing, leading, revealing himself in a way to strengthen us in our faith and witness. While on earth, Jesus was limited By space and time, he could only be present to the people who are right in front of him. But now, in the eternal, in God's presence, he can be attentive to all Christians everywhere, hearing all our prayers, being present to each one of us individually whenever we call upon his name. Communion with the ascended Christ in the Spirit is not just for the super-holy, Anyone, anywhere, can close the door of their room or gather in a small group and enter the throne room of heaven and speak to Jesus. He is present. This is what's happening when Stephen is being stoned. He looks up and sees Jesus. He's present to his church. This is our source of strength. And vitality, and I fear, it took me way too long (laughs) to figure this out. I often thought, okay, Jesus is going away. He leaves a job for the church. We do our best to do things. And then one day he comes back and, okay, the job's done. It's like, no, there's this connection that we still have to Christ who has ascended, who continues to lead us. And we need to learn, this is the prayer journey, to connect with him and commune with him. And each day as we do, he gives us strength to carry on in our walk, our discipleship. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Jesus is preparing a place for us. The day is coming, says the Bible, when there will be this great 
reunification. The day is coming when the dwelling of God will be on earth in a profound and tangible way. Jesus is building the new Jerusalem. And if you think about it, the foundations of this new world, this new city, it's, they've already been laid. In Jesus' death, we receive the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' resurrection, we receive new birth into a living hope. And in Christ's ascension, a little piece of earth, human flesh, resurrected human flesh, is now in God's presence. Right now, there is a bit of earth in heaven. And on the flip side, there's a bit of heaven on earth. Christ, who was raised in the flesh, is now enthroned in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is now alive in us. There's this been this exchange in a way. Flesh in heaven, the holy in us. There's this exchange, and it's almost in a way a, a down payment or a foretaste of the home, this day of reunification that is coming. Like engagement rings point to the marriage that is to come, so Christ's ascension and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit point to the day of full and complete reunification. Our destiny is not to be apart, but to be together where Christ is. The book of Revelation talks about the church as the bride of Christ, and we are awaiting the marriage supper of the Lamb in the new heavens and the new earth. And that day is sure to come, for the down payment has been made and the rings exchanged. And I don't know what troubles or worries you carry to church today. There are many reasons to be troubled. But today, hear Christ's invitation to faith. Trust me. Trust me. I have your best interests at heart. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Sending my spirit that you can be in me and I can be in you and I can empower you for your faith and witness. And one day I will return so that you may be where I am, alive in the new heavens and the new earth. You believe in God, now trust me also. Our momentary troubles are not our destiny. Jesus is on the throne, and there he is working for us and is actively preparing a place for us. And when he returns, we, his church, will be where he is. This past week, a famous pastor and writer passed away named Tim Keller. Um, perhaps some of you have read his books, The Reason for God, Making Sense of God. I've listened to many, many of his sermons, and he had a big impact on my life, as well as a big impact on global Christianity as he started a church planting movement that has spanned the entire world. In a way, he's a little bit like a Billy Graham of, of this era, and he passed away Thursday or Friday from pan pancreatic cancer. And he had just a way of saying things. But as he approached death, I was kind of following posts that his family uh, we're sharing. 
he just kept pointing to Jesus and looking forward to being there. And he said, for me to die, to die is gain. I'm ready for the next step. I'm ready to be where Christ is. And it was such a witness to me um, and many others that there's this longing to be where Christ is. And that's Christ's longing too. So may we be patient as we wait and remain faithful and filled with hope. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we rest today knowing that you are working on our behalf even now in heaven. And we're in awe of the reality that any moment, on any day, anywhere, in whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can quiet ourselves and speak your name, and there you are with us to listen and to speak. Thank you for your ongoing presence through the Spirit. But Lord, how much greater it will be when we are together again. And we look forward to the full and complete togetherness, Lord, when we will eat and drink with you around the table, not here in Alliston, but in the new heavens and the new earth that you are preparing for us. In the meantime, Lord, give us strength for today and fill us up with hope for what you are doing and what you have prepared. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.